0: You can contact the program by calling 866 41 Abide or by visiting us on the web at WVR.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. We are in Genesis chapter 31. Genesis chapter 31. This is God's Word, beginning in verse 22. On the third day, Laban was told that Jacob had fled. Taking his relatives with him, he pursued Jacob for seven days and caught up with him in the hill country of Gilead. Then God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream at night and said to him, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country of Gilead when Laban overtook him, and Laban and his relatives camped there too. Then Laban said to Jacob, What have you done? You've deceived me. And carried off my daughters like captives in war. Why did you run off secretly and deceive me? Why didn't you tell me? So I could send you away with joy and singing to the music of tambourines and harps. You didn't even let me kiss my grandchildren and my daughters goodbye. You have done a foolish thing. I have the power to harm you. But last night, the God of your father said to me, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. Now you've gone off because you longed to return to your father's house. Why did you steal my gods? Jacob answered Laban, I was afraid because I thought you would take your daughters away from me by force. But if you find anyone who has your gods, he shall not live. In the presence of our relatives, see for yourself whether there is anything of yours here with me, and if so, take it. Now Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen the gods. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the tent of the two maidservants, but he found nothing. After he came out of Leah's tent, he entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household gods and put them inside her camel's saddle and was sitting on them. Laban searched through everything in the tent but found nothing. Rachel said to her father, "'Don't be angry, my lord, that I cannot stand up in your presence.'" I'm having my period. So he searched, but could not find the household gods. Jacob was angry and took Laban to task. What is my crime? he asked Laban. What sin have I committed that you hunt me down? Now that you've searched through all my goods, what have you found that belongs to your household? Put it here in front of your relatives and mine and let them judge between the two of us. I have been with you for 20 years now, Your sheep and goats have not miscarried, nor have I eaten rams from your flocks. I did not bring you animals torn by wild beasts. I bore the loss myself. And you demanded payment from me for whatever was stolen by day or night. This was my situation. The heat consumed me in the daytime, and the cold at night, and sleep fled from my eyes. It was like this for the 20 years I was in your household. I worked for you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flocks, and you changed my wages ten times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you would surely have sent me away empty-handed. But God has seen my hardship and the toil of my hands, and last night he rebuked you. Laban answered Jacob, The women are my daughters, and the children are my children, and the flocks are my flocks. All you see is mine. Yet what can I do today about these daughters of mine or about the children they have born? Come now, let's make a covenant, you and I, and let it serve as a witness between us. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. He said to his relatives, gather some stones. So they took stones and piled them in a heap, and they ate there by the heap. Laban called it Jager-Sahadutha, and Jacob called it Galid. Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me today. That is why it was called Galid. It was also called Mizpah, because he said, May the Lord keep watch between you and me when we are away from each other. If you mistreat my daughters, or if you take any wives besides my daughters, even though no one is with us, remember that God is a witness between you and me. Laban also said to Jacob, Here is the heap, and here is the pillar I have set up between you and me. This heap is a witness and this pillar is a witness that I will not go past this heap to your side to harm you, and that you will not go past this heap and pillar to my side to harm me. May the God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob took an oath in the name of the fear of his father Isaac. He offered a sacrifice there in the hill country and invited his relatives to a meal. After they had eaten, they spent the night there. Early the next morning, Laban kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. Then he left and returned home. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Okay, so the last chapter ended by acknowledging the fact that what Jacob did in sneaking off, if you will, was deceitful. It's described that way in God's Word. Jacob didn't handle this departure as well as it might have been handled, but he certainly had a history that made him not eager to just go and try and have a straightforward arrangement with his father-in-law, because his father-in-law was a creep who had lied to him over and over and over again. But when Jacob deceives Laban, Laban is furious. And the thing he complains about is, you deceived me. Verse 26, you've deceived me, and you've carried off my daughters like captives in war. Why did you run off secretly and deceive me? Okay, who is talking here? The guy who conned his son-in-law into marrying someone he didn't want to marry. He absolutely flat-out lied, deceived Jacob. And then, when they came to a business arrangement about how much Jacob was to be paid, how he was to be paid, what the arrangements were, he says, okay, we've got a deal. And then tells his son, take all the ones that I just said he could have, and go three days' distance this man is a pathological liar and he does not like to be lied to. Kind of reminds me of a lot of stuff in our society today. We have politicians in DC, current president and a former president, both of whom point the finger at each other and say that guy's a liar. That's the only truth that either of them is likely to speak in a 24-hour period. They're both liars. We have a completely dishonest media that loves to talk about particular people's lies. And they lie all the time. What are we to do? Realize that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. Who can know it? God says our hearts are not just wicked, they're deceitfully wicked, to the extent that we don't even recognize how bad off we are. You see, it's not just Laban, it's not just Jacob, it's the human condition, and it's not okay. Folks, it's a great privilege for me to be able to come each evening and bring God's Word on these stations, and I'm thankful that I have the opportunity to do that. But if you listen regularly, you know that my life day-to-day is involved in trying to minister to kids who come from very difficult situations. I want to ask you to help us. Contact us at wvr.org and find out how you can be a part of the miracle. That's wvr.org. Please help us help these children. To step out of my comfort zone into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is. So and Laban out his finds out that out Jacob has sneaked and off and he goes after him. And right before he catches up with him and confronts him, God speaks to him. And God says to him, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. In other words, don't mess with him. Don't mess with him. So Laban said to Jacob, as we just read, What have you done? You've deceived me and carried off my daughters like captives in war. Do you remember what the daughters said when Jacob proposed, God's telling me to go back? They said, well, you know, that old guy has squandered our inheritance. Okay? So, don't worry about it. Whatever God's told you to do, we're with you. Why didn't you tell me so I could send you away with joy and singing to the music of tambourines and harps? You didn't even let me kiss my grandchildren and my daughters goodbye. <laughs> You've done a foolish thing. I have the power to harm you. That's not the kind of thing that God was suggesting he ought to say, right? But, but he's just having a hard time holding himself back. And so he says, I have the power to harm you, but God told me not to. He's feeling. So Jacob is about to give him an opportunity to search the tents. What is he looking for? He's looking for something he's not supposed to have. You stole my gods! Now this is a guy who had been confronted by God. It's not that he doesn't believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's, doggone it, he, he has some other gods too. And they're missing. Can you imagine the upset if your God went missing? He had more than one, and they're gone, and he knows it had to be Jacob or somebody in Jacob's group that stole those gods, and he wants his gods back. So Jacob says, okay, you can search all my stuff, and if you find anything that is yours, The person who took it will be punished. In fact, whoever stole your gods will pay for it with their life. He had no idea that his wife had stolen them, that his wife whom he loved had stolen them. But she had. And now she's hidden them. She's hidden them in the saddle that she uses to ride her camel. And she's sitting on Saddle. Now this is going to be a little awkward if she has to get up, but she's got a plan. So she's sitting there, and Dad comes in. He's searched everywhere else. They can't find the gods. They search her tent, and they don't find the gods. Why? She lied. She lied. And with this particular group, it's worth mentioning the lie she told. She said, I can't get up because I'm having my period. Hope you understand. Now, why would I go back and highlight that verse? Because we live in a culture where there's a whole lot of confusion about what it's okay to say and what it's not okay to say. The Bible informs us, teaches us, the fact that you can talk about anything. But how you talk about it matters. There are cultures right now in this modern age where the whole subject of women's menstruation is unmentionable. And girls are not able to go to school in some parts of the world because they're now having periods and that's, they can't be around other people and they can't talk about it. And I mean, this is, a, this is a significant health concern, human rights concern right now in this world. Today, in modern times, that ought not to be. And Christians, as we spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, ought to disciple people who will understand that God's the one who made our bodies. And God gave his people instructions in the scriptures about menstruation, seminal emissions, sanitation when you're camping, okay? All kinds of things right there in the Bible. And it's not shameful and it's not funny either. It's just life. What's twisted is when we turn it into something perverse. And sadly, a lot of parents, without meaning to, facilitate that by acting as if certain things are unmentionable. Now, there's a time and a place, and there's a manner for doing things properly. If you're ever having a meal with me, please do not describe things that have to do with gross stuff. Well, who decides what's gross? Well, I would say we don't want to talk about snot at the kitchen table. Okay? Anything else? Yeah, I don't want to hear about spit. I don't want to hear about stool. I don't want to hear about things that normally are dealt with in private. Is that clear? Now, what she did was not appropriate for two reasons. Neither of which was that she mentioned periods. The reason it was wrong was number one, it was a lie. Number two, it was to cover up The fact that she had stolen something that nobody was supposed to even have. She had stolen her father's gods. He shouldn't have had those things. She shouldn't either. But obviously she thought they were valuable. She didn't do this because she was really concerned about her father's idolatry and thought, you know, we're leaving the area. Maybe now I can break him of his addiction to these terrible little things. Uh, That was not what was going on. She was... Buying into the same satanic lie that her daddy had bought into and it would be like stealing your Addicted parents drugs because you want some you understand so She did wrong She did wrong in stealing them. She did wrong in lying about it She's not supposed to have them to begin with this is going to be a problem all through the Old Testament fortunately in the New Testament Idolatry is no more. No. In the New Testament, Christians are told, don't give in to idolatry. Pastor Wood, I don't think any of us are inclined to worship little blocks of wood or stone or whatever. Really? It's not just blocks of wood and stone. It can be things like this. What is this? Money. What did Jesus say? You cannot serve God and mammon. So there are a whole lot of people who are still struggling with idolatry, aren't there? Uh, Money's not bad. But if you trust in the money instead of in God, that's idolatry. If you're greedy for money, that's idolatry. If you think money can provide security, you're wrong. It can't. Only God can. But when we read about these folks, we find that despite their sin, God was still at work. I love looking at the description of the two perspectives. Jacob says, if I have anything of yours, bring it out here and we'll deal with it. And when they can't find the idols, what does Laban say? The girls are mine and the grandchildren are mine and all the flocks are mine. From Laban's perspective, even though Jacob had earned the marriages and the flocks. It was still his. Let me tell you, sometimes we forget when we make a transaction with someone that we have to honor our end too, even if we don't like what they're doing with their end. Laban felt like everything Jacob had still belonged to him, which was why Jacob had to leave. You understand? But Jacob's perspective was not entirely balanced either. Jacob describes it this way. I've been with you for 20 years now. Your sheep and goats have not miscarried nor have I eaten rams from your flocks. I did not bring you animals torn by wild beasts. I bore the loss myself. And you demanded payment from me for whatever was stolen by day or by night. I find all of that believable. The next part, I think, is a little melodramatic. Listen. This was my situation. The heat consumed me in the daytime, and the cold at night, and sleep fled from my eyes. He's remembering all the negatives. He sees what has happened. He doesn't remember all the good stuff. Obviously, the man has 12 kids. He must have had a few moments of downtime. But that's not what he remembers. He remembers that for all these years, he was either burning up or freezing. Constantly was one or the other. And I never got any sleep. Be careful that you don't embrace a distorted view of your situation. Yes, acknowledge the difficulties, but don't blow it out of proportion. So both of these guys had an unrealistic view. Laban answered Jacob, The women are my daughters, the children are my children, and the flocks are my flocks. All you see is mine. Totally false, but Laban believed it. One of the terrible things about being a liar is that it makes you crazy, because you start to believe your own stuff. Well, so they came to an agreement, and the agreement was this. We're going to have a monument that marks the fact that we're not going to mess with each other. I won't go on the other side of that monument. That's you. You don't come any further this way. This is me. We're going to leave each other alone. Agreed? Agreed. They have a meal. They spend the night. Early the next morning, Laban kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. And then he left and returned home. It wasn't the best of partings, but they made the best of it that they could. And now they're both going to move on. And the very next thing that's going to happen is Jacob's going to have to deal with another broken family relationship where he had not parted on good terms with his brother Esau. Folks, every family has problems because every person has problems. All of us have faults and when people with faults are involved in a relationship The relationship is going to be imperfect, but God is able to take dysfunctional people from dysfunctional families and make something beautiful of their lives. Thanks be to God, because otherwise all of us would be sunk. God, in His mercy, chose to save sinners, and that's why we can be saved.